There's so many things happening in my heart that it's very difficult for me to speak. God is wanting, can I say desperately, for the church and the Jew to join together. It is on the heart of God, stressed much more in other countries. So I'm going to ask you to bear with me because I'm going to be jumping around. So much happened in that five weeks in the land. And there were different things that were happening. So I'm going to be going here and going there. But I know that you will follow. First of all, you know that God had sent me to a reconciliation meeting in Jerusalem. That he was wanting to come from around the world. So the message went to the church around the world to congregate in Jerusalem to reconcile which were, uh, with the Jews because of all that had happened in past tense and even today. So we congregated there and the venue, strangely enough, was the Valley of Jehoshaphat. I think you all know that that is going to be the judgment place of all the nations. So God called all the nations and assembled them in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, the panel was rabbis, uh, Messianic Jews, born-again believers, um, scholars of the Bible. They were the panel. They opened their hearts to us as to why they didn't come to Jesus, some of them. The rabbi does not involve himself with the earthly things that are going on. He follows what the prophetic sayings say about each nation. So we heard from all these on the panel and I can tell you now, I have been over 35 years in the ministry of the Jews. When they spoke, I was like primary school knowledge. Because what they poured out was so far above what I have learned, and I have learned much but it was nothing in comparison to what happened there. There is no way I can tell you exactly what they said all the time because it was just too much even for me to contain because I had to sit back and I had to start looking at each issue. But there were some that had clarity for us all to know. So I'm going to find this amongst all these papers and see what... <laughs> I've got number one and two and three and all the rest of it. Um, uh, 
Okay, so I said to you that the rabbis had different opinions on the subject of the nations based on what God has to say for the future through the, prophet, through the prophets. And they gave very, very sound information straight from the word of God as what was going to happen to those who are divided from Israel and those who are for Israel. There was a lot. Nations are going to be coming under the judgment of God, and you can see that happening uh, on your TV screen. So um, Messianic Jews experienced the difficulties that they had had with Christians before they came to Christ. Known to them as Christians are worshippers of the sun god, not the god that they know. Because Christmas was instituted by Constantine, and he was the worshipper of the sun. So that came through Constantine, and those uh, Jews saw us that celebrate those feasts, like Easter as well, because Easter is supposed to be Passover. But Passover was cancelled out, and uh, Easter, the goddess of fertility, was put in its place. So it was very, very difficult for any Jew to want to join Christianity. So this was a disaster that cannot, that can be repaired. So they did come to Christ in the grace of God, opened their eyes, the Messianic Jews, and we now have about 30,000 uh, born-again Jews in the whole of Israel. The Messianic pastors speak from the book of Acts, the church and how it behaved in the book of Acts. And they carry that through to this day because they believe that we are one family. They have abandoned anything called Jews on one side, Christians on one side. They are the true olive tree. So you've got all nations coming into those uh, assemblies, and they are run by Messianic Jews. Then we have got born-again scholars of the Bible speaking on, speaking on the birth of replacement theology. Um, born-again scholars and the Jews that were not born again are now writing books that will astound you. Books are coming out from them, and the one book which has a challenging cover says, Christian revival will bring survival to Israel. That's quite a heading. And what was contained in that book, they see us because we have one book and one God. So they see that we should be with them. It should not be the Gentile church on one side and the Jewish on the other side. 
We should be together and allow God to graft us in and let it be manifested that we are grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. So there was so much done there, and all these books were displayed, and of course I, I bought books, and of course I was overweight, and then couldn't carry them all back, but my friend is going to bring some of them back, back to me, and I've taken the books I could take. Because I'm studying everything that God is saying. And the Lord wants us to understand that we need to get onto the subject. We need to read from the scriptures what God is saying about it. We need to make the effort to come together in this, in this uh, arena. So that was the... Um, I'm not going to go any further. It was very fulfilling. So I'm going to go to the next one, which is when God called me to go up. When he called me to go up there to this reconciliation, I went, of course, and I booked uh, to go out on the 9th of September uh, because the, um, the reconciliation was beginning 15th, 16th, and 17th. No, sorry, 16th, 17th, and 18th of that month, so I booked to go out on the 9th. Well, God had his own season of time because I had not consulted him about when he wants me to go, exact date, which I often do. This time I didn't. So God, so Egypt Air suddenly changed the whole thing. Our bookings were there. They notified us that they were changing that booking to the 12th of September. Now, God knew why he was doing that. We didn't know why. Because we didn't know what was going to happen in Israel after that reconciliation. And God wanted us to be present in the land. We got there. There were three feasts that are not fulfilled in Christ yet, which is the uh, Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the trumpets, Yom Kippur, which is the, the day of uh, grievance of their sins and all the rest, and because uh, God weighs the balance of the books on people's lives on Yom Kippur. So on Yom Kippur, it's a fast day, the whole day. Every person in that country is fasting on that day because they're hoping that God does not remove their name from the book of balance. So the other one was the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles those three feasts are going to be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ. So we were there for that. And then uh, it was a bit difficult because we hoped to be able to go and at least spend a day in the International Christian Feast of Tabernacles. But the charge to go in was so high that none of us could go. So, <laughs> so the Jews have their celebrations in their homes and in the parks, and so it's free there. So if we wanted to go, we have to go to the park where the Jews are celebrating. So anyway, they have expenses. The church has expenses because they, they hire a big hall 
and that big haul has to be paid for. So it was like 369 US dollars to go in, but it was also 80. We thought we'd go for one day, so we said, well, how much will one day be? And they said, a morning alone will be $80. Now, if you balance that with our money, well, now, you know, so we all stayed away. <laughs> but um, um, now, getting on that flight at 12 of September, I got in and I sat down in my seat, and I was sitting next to a gentleman who had the window. Now, we got talking, and what a humble man he was, you know, what a humble man he was. And I was quite drawn to his spirit, you know. So we were chatting and chatting, and then he said to me, before I told him anything, he said, God sent me, I'm a pastor from the Cape. God sent us, there were 30 that he was taking up to Israel. God has told us that we have to cover the north, the south, the east, and the west in intercession. We are to go there and pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the safety of the Jews in this land. So, that struck me. Well, God didn't do, uh, tell me to go and do up there. He told me to do something else. So, then, well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because in any case, we do pray when we get there. But then, on the same flight, there was 50 black born-again believers from Johannesburg. And they were sent by God to cover the whole of the land. So to cover the land, they had to hire a bus, and they had to pray at every spot that God indicated them to stop and pray. So they prayed. Now, nothing that you saw on the screen had happened yet, you know, about the stabbings and killings. This was before that. So they covered, and they went all over the place, and they were so jovial that it was quite... Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was thrilling for us to see the positivity about the whole thing, you know. God sent us all the way, and they paid all that money to go up there to pray where God told them to pray. So that was quite exciting. And then the Lord comes on me after the reconciliation. He says, now you are going to go to the Golan. You are going to cover the Golan, the mountains, Bashan in the Bible. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit about uh, what Israel says about, uh, because it's one of the most strategic places, uh, because that's the place that pours the water down into the lake, etc. And the, and the water for the whole of Israel comes from one lake. So, um, this is what they say. The tactical parity exists because the uh, topographical facts on the ground uh, create defensible borders. Now, what I'm, why I'm reading this is to say that God designed the Golan in such a way that the enemy can't get into Israel. Because Syria, they're on the border of Syria and um, Lebanon. 
So God now, Golan is many, many miles long, kilometers long, very much. You're going to drive across the Golan for at least an hour before you get to the end of it. Because it starts there on Mount Hermon and it goes right across the country. And God has designed it in this manner. Uh, the Golan, the southern Golan, the Yarmouk and Rokad rivers form a natural barrier which is impossible for armored battle vehicles and is difficult even for infantry. Therefore, a few outposts and relatively small numbers of troops are sufficient on this front. In the east and north, a defense line is formed by the range of hills and mountains from Saki to the Hermon. The lay of the land permits a Syrian breakthrough in only a limited number of passes, and it is therefore easy to identify a Syrian build-up and to respond quickly. Strategic parity is created by the, by the presence of the IDF troops only 60 kilometers from Damascus. This is a constant deterrent to Syrian aggression. So God has designed that place. Water drips on the side of Israel. It doesn't drip from the Mount, uh, from Golan on the other side, which is Syria. So the water comes down from several rivulets and goes into the Jordan and into the lake of Kinneret, so that Israel has water. Now, if they want to make themselves an enemy, I'm not going to what God is going to do then. So, um, so we went up to the Golan, and we had to hire a, a taxi, and we hired an Arab taxi. Now, this was a fine man that we were, that was the driver of this taxi. We had lovely conversations all up, you know, and we started in the morning, we came back at 10 o'clock at night. So he, when we said we are going to pray there, because he said, what do you want to go to the Golan for? I said, well, God has told us to go and cover that place with prayer and according to what God is going to put in our hearts. So he says to me, do you mind if I come and hear how you pray? Because he knows how they pray. Now we are going to pray. Now he wants to see, now how do we pray? So he brings his car, right, where we didn't want to interfere. So we're standing there on the tip of the Golan, and he's this side of the car very close to us because he wants to hear everything. And um, we had a wonderful time with him. And then he took us to the Druze village. Now, I don't know if you know who the Druze are, because Israel has got so many different uh, peoples there. But the Druze, they're a lovely lot of people. They're lovely. They're not Arab. They're Druze. They don't want you to say they're Arabs. So they uh, accommodate all beliefs because they want no fights or arguments between anybody. So they accept anyone and every religion and all that. So they're a jovial kind of religion, 
you know. <laughs> but it was very pleasant to be there with them because we were in the bush. And this bush was an apple orchard and a whole lot of surrounding trees and everything else that was there. The apples were all on the floor. They had, they had collected what was going to the market. The rest were just left on the ground. He said, take, there's a box, take all the apples you want. You know, and we did. We took all the apples we want. Only we couldn't carry them home. <laughs> but these guys had uh, couches, three-seated couches, single couches, in that bush under the trees. And so when anybody comes, they sit there, and they've got their coffee and their tea there, and they'll give you a cup of coffee and tea, they'll make you feel comfortable, and you'll sit on that dusty couch. I said, do these couches stay here? I said, does it rain yet? Doesn't it rain yet? He says, oh, yeah, it rains, but they get dry again. You know? <laughs> so... These, these people were, were so friendly, so lovely, you know. So um, uh, that was, we left the Druze. We had our food there. They gave us our coffee, our food, everything there. And off we went. So then we looked at... Um, okay. Um, let me get to my next one. I'm going to the Arabs now. The, uh, the taxi is over. I'm going to the Arabs now. He won't pass an opinion because he would feel it's rude. But he, you know, because they're very careful. They're very careful. Yeah, so um, anyway, but we had a good relationship with him. And then he had given us the fare that we had to pay because we're going across the country. But God put it on our hearts while we were sitting there. He said, no, you are now going to add a hundred each to him. A hundred more each to him. We're talking shekels, which is a lot of money. In our money. Because it's four and a half rands to one shekel. And so... We added on to him, and oh, it, it made his day. He was newly married. We found out he was newly married, had, had a, a young child, a baby, and all that. And he was trying to look for a gift for his wife, you see. And everything was too expensive for him. He didn't say so. He just looked, and he said he liked that. And then he'd walk away. He couldn't. So I think that that was why God said that, so that he can go and buy a gift for his wife. Anyway... Now, a strange thing happened in all this and in between all this, because as you know how long I've been going there in that land, I have created a lot of friendship with Arabs. I love the Arab people. They're very, very different to the Jew. Uh, uh, I'm talking about the normal uh, Arab. I'm not talking about the killer Arab, you know. <laughs> so... They are lovely people. So anyway, on this occasion, I was confronted by many, many Arabs that I had known. You know, normally when I go there, I'll meet one or two of them that I know, and we'll sit and have a chat, and they'll give me tea or things like that. You know, but on this occasion, it was very different, 
Because wherever I went, not seeking them, wherever I went, God would confront me with one that I, a friend that I had 12 years ago or something, or a long time ago, or hadn't seen them for ages, and they would suddenly be in front of me, you know. Oh, Irene, where have you been all these years? Irene says, oh, where have you been all these years? Well, I'm here, he says. So anyway, we had a friendly uh, gathering about it. But I wondered about this because I even said to someone next to me, I said, am I going to die here or something that I'm meeting every Arab that I know here, you know? And we all laughed about that. Anyway, these guys all resurrected the, the, the acquaintance, you know, and um, we spoke to them. And this is the way. Now, when I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what are you doing here? And the Lord said, you will now divide the gods. You will divide the gods by the ministry of love in comparison to hate. So with each one of them, can you believe I was ever so gentle? <laughs> I, I was... You know, there was so much love that God put into my heart, you know, when I was uh, in front of these Arabs. And I would say to them, what do you think about the situation here now in Israel? Oh, yeah, they'd give me a verbalization about it, and everyone was different, you know. And then I'd say to them, now, listen, I, I have a problem here, you know, acting very ignorant. I have a real problem here. Uh, who is your God? Because you call him Allah. Who is your God? I said, because our God is a different God to your God. So who is your God? Now, they don't know how to answer that. And, and they said, and then I'll let them breathe for a while. And then I'll say, well, you know, I, why I'm puzzled is that the God that you worship sends you to kill and to hate and I said, our God sends us to love humanity. He never allows us to kill for no reason. He wants us to express love to his creation. I said, but yours, you, I said, is, is, is he, you know, I'm really acting ignorant. Is he really, do you believe he is God? Of course he's God. I said, but no, he's not the same God. And I said, you know what? My God is not a schizophrenic. He doesn't change from this side to that side. I said, he is a God of love. Finish. So then they look now. They're thinking about this, you know, each one. And they don't attack me because they know me so long. And they know that I'm not against them. So they will hear what I'm saying. So God gave the platform to me to speak. So then after speaking then, I would say to him, do you know what? You're going to be surprised when you die. There's no virgins in hell for you. You're going to be surprised. So I think you better start finding out who the true God is. Because then you will get the whole of heaven, my dear, in love. I said, so... Think about the God you're serving because he's giving you nothing. And the God that I'm serving is giving me everything. 
So I went through the thing with them, you know, about everything. So now they're really disturbed about this now. Then I said, okay, I'll give you time to think about it and I'll pray for you. He says, yeah, you pray, you pray. He said, okay, I'll pray. I said, because I don't want you to pray because you're going to pray to Allah. And Allah will send you to go and kill somebody. So I don't want you to pray for him. I'll pray for you. So, oh my goodness. Now they don't even, they laugh at that, you know. They laughed at that. I expected a bullet for saying that. But anyway, (laughs) this is the kind of thing that was going on between the Arabs and I, you know. And uh, the one time we had an old lady that was there, a very old lady. She was struggling. She had a pacemaker in the heart. And she was struggling to, to go up a hill that we had to go onto. And here comes this, this kumbi at the back, and he's another one of my friends. He stops there and he says, Irene, where, where have you been? So I said, listen, listen, uh, can you give us a lift up this hill? So he says, yeah, come on, get in the car. So we get in the car with the lady, you know. And he says, where do you want to go to? I said, just to that bus stop there. So he put us at the bus stop. So she didn't have to climb up the hill. God just brought at that moment this man driving up. It was miraculous all the time, you know. So we had this wonderful time with the Arabs. And um, uh, let me go to the end. What's my time like? Okay. Um, <laughs> um, Thank you. All right, but now, with all this going on, suddenly, something strikes. The stabbing, the killing, the shooting, and all that, just suddenly like that. They just thought, we woke up to find that they were just shooting uh, the um, Jews in the street. They were just uh, stabbing them in the back. They were killing dozens and dozens all across the country. So they were strategically placed, these these Arabs that had to carry out this. And uh, so the whole land was covered with this thing going on. And they would get into the bus and just shoot. And about 20 people would die straight away. And then they would, there was an old lady of about 60 in the front seat, and they just stabbed her as they went past her. So this was going on all the time. It was really, really terrible, really terrible. And those were not the Arabs I know, because they don't have that kind of heart. These were people that were politically motivated, and also because they don't want Israel on the Mount of the Temple. The fight is, you do not own this anymore. Al-Aqsa is ours. The Mosque of Omar is ours. You don't tramp on our ground. So, of course, the Jews now are in this position where they just wanted to pray on the mountain. And and, um, because that was where the temple was, they just want to go and pray. And they've just given themselves two hours in the day to pray. Well, the Arabs said, no, that's not going to happen. So this was going on, and then I confronted the Jews, and I said, you know what, this is your fault. This is your fault that this killing is going on and stabbing going on and all the rest of it. I said, what on earth do you want 
to go and pray on the Temple Mount. It's desecrated ground at, at the moment. There's no temple there. I said, what do you want to go up there for? I said, isn't God everywhere? Can't you just go to your synagogue and pray there and wait for God to erect his temple when he wants to? I said, but no, you are forcing the issue that you want to go there for two hours to pray, and then this has come about now. So what are you going to do about it? He says, well, what do you want us to do about it? I said, well, then get off that subject. Then you'll find a bit of peace. If they want to hug that, let them hug it. Because when Jesus comes, they're not going to be able to again. He will sort the mess out. You're trying to sort the mess out, and this is what, you, what you're getting. So I really confronted the situation wherever I went. And I said, no, because they won't. Yeah, but these Arabs. And I said, no, 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 no. You interfering now. This is not sacred ground for you anymore because there's no temple. Let Al-Aqsa have his place there because Jesus is going to move him out when he comes. There's going to be one Lord. So anyway, that was quite successful because then the, the believers started to pray like that, you know, so that God can put it in the heart of the, of the um, politicians to back away from that, you know. So, and I phoned two days ago, and it's still not over. They're still doing it, but not on the scale that when we were there. So we were saying to the Lord, well, okay, Lord, do we go in the streets now? You know, with all this going on. Because there were literally thousands, thousands of soldiers and of policemen all over the land. There was not an alcove in a wall that didn't have a soldier standing there with his guns because they were uh, making sure that we, tourists, as they call us, are not going to be harmed. So they were watching over us all over the place, which was the instruction of the government, and to see them like that, you know, the Lord said to me, just walk up to them and thank them because their lives are at risk for you. So I went to them, I do, you know, to the soldiers, to the police, and, and I would just gently say to them, thank you very, very much for putting your life in danger for us. But God will, will, will bless you for that. God will take care of you. And then the smile would just come on the face straight away, and they'd say, yes, I know. And then we would move on, you know, just to comfort them all. So... It was a very constructive time. I think there's one more I'm feeling that I'm not handling properly. And what is it? Uh, oh, I know. Just bear with me, please. Oh, this is it. I'm finishing with this. The reconciliation pro process in Jerusalem what is on God's heart, will bring great change to both parties, the Jews and the Christians. If we hear what God is saying to our hearts, he is wanting to remove the stones that have kept his covenanted people apart from each other. In repentance, the Holy Spirit will take both of us on a new road to his pleasure and purpose. So, amen, I believe we have to concentrate on 
repairing the division. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank the church for praying for us when we were over there because I understand they were praying quite a lot. So thank you very much for that. Lord, we just thank you for Irene. Nearly 80. Next year, 80. And <laughs> so I, shouldn't have, <laughs> I shouldn't have dropped you like that. But what an amazing, amazing woman of God who has gone, uh, I don't know how many times to Israel and to that part of the world, to Russia, all over the world. And bought the gospel and the good news. And so we're going to close, close with, a, with a song, but we're just going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we, we see in, in, in the Psalms that you, you ask us to pray for Jerusalem. And we ask to pray for the gospel to be preached in that neighborhood. We thank you for Irene and the, and the, the ministries that, have, that go out to, to Jerusalem and to, to Israel and preach the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that not only does it go to the Jews, but it goes to the, the Arabs who live right next door, in the next door street. And so we, we ask, Lord, that you would take away the veil that has blinded the Jews from seeing you, that they might see you. And so we bless, we, we, we bless, uh, we bless Israel, we bless Jerusalem. We, we pray uh, that you would keep the, keep the people safe and that they would turn to you and seek you and you would find them. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like there is a, there's a question in my heart, and I feel it might be mirrored here. So I want you to answer them. The first question is, um, what about concerning the Temple Mount? What about the fact that it's territory, and it's like you don't want to? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to relinquish territory. You're saying back off and let God fight. But we also know there's a time to say. Territory, do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the first question. The second question, I feel you need to give us some practical things on what do we do now because our hearts are stirred. What do we do now? We need to bless Israel financially and uh, things like that. Finish your sermon, my darling. And we could actually write something else and put it in the newsletter. I will, but this is easy to answer quickly. Um, First of all, what do you do? You know that I go to the army very often. We volunteer in the Israeli army. This is a very, very big thing to the Jew because now we're uniting with him. And also, he doesn't understand how we can pay our fare to go up there and to work for nothing. So that speaks volumes. So there are things you can do. You can phone the Jewish club. You can ask them how are they going. You can watch the news that's going on. You can phone them. And, and say you're with them, there's lots of little touches that you can do. You know, so that, I, I can give you more detail later. And the other question was, again? Oh, the territory. Well, now, the Jews again are to blame in another way. Because they gave the keys of the Temple Mount to the Arab, to, to Jordan. They gave Jordan the keys to, the, to their uh, uh, ground. And so... Jordan has the keys of authority to rule the, 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 the Temple Mount. So now that's the implication of it. So how are they going to get those keys back? 
We don't know, but God will do something about it.